the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back, listeners. This is the Missional Life Podcast. We are excited to introduce you to some of our personal friends, mentors, and and people who love Jesus. When I think of uh, when I think of the word legacy, I think of uh, Delron and, and, and Peggy Shirley. And I don't say that just to, to lift them up, uh, and personally, cause, um, but all they do is, is, is about Jesus. And that's what I really, uh, have come to love and respect about them. And so we are excited to have them on our podcast today. Welcome Delron and Peggy Shirley. Well, thank you for having us. We're honored to be here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, uh, you've written, Many, many, many books, uh, both uh, individually, collectively. You've traveled around the, uh, the world uh, to how many countries now? Uh, 68, I think the number is. Okay, yeah. Some, and, uh, but where did this start? I, so we all, have a, we all have a beginning when, when, we, when we move into ministry. We have a beginning point. And how, where, how did God begin to speak to you uh, years ago? Uh, how did God put what you are doing now? How did he plant that seed in your heart? Can you take us back to uh, the start and, and kind of walk us through a little bit of your journey? Okay. Well, uh, Peggy, you want to share a little bit of your first and then I'll pick up. No, I think you should go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, well, got the, he got the vision first. I was the scaredy cat. I uh, didn't do it. So I want him to, <laughs> and then I'll tell you how I joined in. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, you know, I have a couple of different beginnings, if you really want to think about it that way. Um, I believe that the seed for world missions was planted in my heart as a young child, uh, watching uh, television, actually. Uh, There used to be a program in which uh, 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 an overweight old grandfatherly guy would sit down every Saturday morning and read from Rudyard Kipling's uh, The Jungle Book. And uh, when I would hear those stories about those faraway places, you know, it was said in India. uh, And, you know, I just had this thing planted inside my heart about uh, the world. And I used to read uh, world book encyclopedias. Uh, I mean, just Hmm. get the encyclopedia. my, my parents bought that for me when I was a child, and, and I just would just get down the encyclopedia and look up countries and read all the articles about those foreign countries, and uh, I just had that kind of interest uh, from a young child. Uh, so that would be kind of stage one, uh, and then uh, stage two uh, actually occurred when I was in seminary. Uh, I had a, a Japanese friend uh, who was a student at the in the seminary, classmate with mine, and uh, uh, every summer between college semesters, he would go back home and do evangelism in Japan. So the first year, he said, uh, I want you to come with me this summer and uh, do evangelistic work in Japan, and I said, well, thank you very much, and then totally ignored him, <laughs> and then the second year, he says, I want you to come with me to Japan this summer and uh, do mission work. And I said, well, thank you very much, and totally ignored him. And then the third year, he said, uh, I want you to come with me this summer to Japan, and I've already booked your ticket. Now, now that was a long time ago, when that uh, you didn't go on the internet and book a ticket and pay for it right then. 
uh, you went through the airline agency itself and you booked a ticket and then you could pay in increments. And so he didn't pay for my ticket. He just booked it. And I still <laughs> had to pay for it. You know? But at least I thought, okay, well, if he's gone to the trouble to book a ticket and there's one out there with my name on it, I, I should at least seriously pray about it. So I went home to pray about uh, going to Japan that summer. And uh, I, my prayer was something like this. Lord, you know the Japanese people, their culture is so different from our American culture. You know, we're like the bulls in the China shop and, uh, and I don't know Japanese. And so therefore I'm gonna have to have uh, uh, Isamu, my friend, interpret. So it'd be just as easy for him to do the evangelism as to have to have the two of us to do one person's job. And, you know, so I just went through all those different reasons why that uh, God didn't need me to go to Japan. And, uh, and then he spoke back to me. And this, you know, people say, God spoke. And um, sometimes, you know, it's kind of weird stuff that they are, follows that when they say God spoke to me. But this one was something that was almost audible. I mean, it was so clear that I actually looked around the room to see if there was somebody in the room talking to me. And, um, and God said just one sentence. He said, I know you're inadequate. That's the reason I'm sending you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, you can understand a whole lot more out of a few words. I understood that what he was saying was, if I really felt confident to do it, then uh, I would go in my own ability. But since I didn't feel confident, then I would have to trust him. And so it would become, uh, you know, significant. So anyway, so I get to Japan. And uh, my first assignment is uh, to do a week-long youth conference. And they had about 100 uh, high school uh, age students. And I was supposed to speak at this conference, uh, this retreat, um, every day for a week. Well, when we got there, Isamu's wife got sick, so sick, they had to take her back to the hospital in Tokyo. And uh, we were in a, a very distant area from Tokyo in an area where that uh, there weren't uh, any English speaking people. I mean, this is like almost 50 years ago. And so there weren't a lot of Japanese who spoke English. There weren't a lot of Americans who spoke Japanese. So I didn't have any other interpreter. So I wound up spending the whole week not being able to, to do the conference. They had to call in local pastors and whoever they could find to do the meetings. Anyway, at the end of the week, Isamu's wife got well enough that she could uh, be released from the hospital. They came back down to pick me up to go to our next assignment. And I only got to speak at one meeting the whole week that I was there. Uh, after the meeting, the director of the meeting came up and he says, thank you so much for being with us. We've learned so much from you this week. And I said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 hold, hold the bus. Uh, you know, what are you saying? You learned something from me. I haven't spoken all week. I played a little sports with some of the kids, but you know, I haven't been involved except just sitting here. And he says, you know, there was just something that exuded from your spirit that mm. ministered to us. Mm. And at that point, then I realized what God had said, because you realize you're inadequate that's the reason I'm sending you. And uh, 
so that's kind of the uh, uh, the foundation of our mission work. Uh, we've always realized that we don't have anything to do. We don't have anything to give that we're inadequate, but uh, somebody needs to be there. And so we've been going all over the world, sharing our inadequacies. Amen. Yeah. A, co- a couple main points I want to uh, kind of focus in listeners. Um, did you catch what he said that he, it wasn't his first time? It wasn't the second time. It was the, it was, it was the third time. God, kept on coming back. There are so many, uh, God is so patient. He's so uh, kind to us that if we don't always catch it the first time, if we don't always catch it the second time, God will come back to us and, and keep on giving us these different opportunities to, to offer, to offer us, to invite us into what he's doing, not just around us locally, but around us internationally. And I love that uh, although you didn't feel uh, adequate, you, you felt inadequate to use your word. Um, you still stepped forward into it. You, you stepped forward in your, in your own inadequacies, trusting God's adequacy. And, um, and wow, aren't you glad you took that step now years yeah. later? Wow. Amazing things have, have happened. So many lives blessed because you took that step toward uh, in your own inadequacy towards trusting God's adequacy. And wow, he has, he seen you through uh, these years, hasn't he? Yes. Could I address the people that don't want to serve, <laughs> that uh, think they're not going to serve the Lord, that let someone else do it, uh, praise the Lord, I'm not, I'm not called. And that's really where most people are. You know, Down is very fortunate. He was raised in a Christian home. I wasn't. I was a wild one, didn't get saved till I was 28. It was all about me and, and you know how that goes. So when we got married in 1980, um, I had no idea what I was getting involved, Uh, but I had told the Lord, and it's a very hard thing to say people, but if you could do this, I tell you, God, God is your daddy. He has plans for you and he's going to make you happy. So I said, Lord, this really scares me, but whatever you want me to do, I lay my life down. Now that's a very serious prayer. It scared me. And my pastor said, I'm not going to marry you, Peggy, to Dallin, unless you'll do whatever. And I said, oh, yes, yes, oh, well, sure, I'll do missions. Well, my whole plan was to stay home, have kids, pray for him, and just bye-bye. And I but just... Let me, let me butt in. <laughs> <laughs> the way our pastor expressed it, uh, when, when we asked him, would he perform our wedding ceremony, he said, no. Uh, he <laughs> said, uh, I know you. You're going to wind up living in a mud hut in Africa. And I will not be responsible for sending her to a mud hut in Africa unless that God really tells her that she is supposed to go. And uh, then uh, when she went home, uh, the Lord spoke to you through the book of Luke, I mean, uh, Ruth. Right. And so uh, in the book of Ruth, you know, he said, what did she say? I'll go where you go. Your people be my people. And I said, oh, Lord, I see the thing is we say we trust God, but we really don't. I said, Lord, I just don't think I could do that. See, if we really we, we love to sing the song, he's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. Well, if you really believe that, I mean, he is not going to hurt you. You know, mm-hmm. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he knows the plans. He's not going to hurt you. But we really, some of us haven't had that father relationship. So we were a little scared that daddy's going to make us do something or, or spank us or whatever. So I went on, I, I said those vows, I, I surrendered it half-heartedly because I had a spirit of fear 
I had seen enough missionary programs that I thought I was going to, you know, get killed or live in a mud hut. And it's all, we get so selfish. We get so exaggerated, but you know, the enemy wants to set up the worst scenario. So we got married and we were with Lester Summerall, who's quite the missionary. I mean, that was no accident. And when you're, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's why we like being around uh, Dan and Amanda because they sharpen us and we sharpen them. And when we would hear his stories and his trips and he was getting older, that just did something to me. So then finally I said, okay. So John said, okay, we're, we're going on our first trip. And it took me one year. I mean, that's how bad it was. I had to be delivered from a spirit of fear. I didn't know how to write a sermon. So I'm writing, I'm speaking to a lot of you that are like me, <laughs> but you think Peggy, I really have a heart to serve God, but I don't know how to get out in front of people. And the thought of going to a foreign country, what if I don't come home alive or come home in a casket? I mean, all these vain imaginations. Well, anyway, so I just gave all that to the Lord, prepared my sermon and we went and it wasn't bad. You know, especially nowadays, everything's cleaned up so much. They're, they've got more uh, modern technology and things. And let me tell you that when you go to these foreign, they love you. They absolutely love you. And you become one with them. You go, but they get the food and the, no, 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 that's incidental. You become one in the Lord. And, and these little comforts that you don't have, they're so, they're nothing. So we went on, we did our first trip and that just hooked me. That just hooked me. And then I remember, and folks, I'm speaking to the women too, because Amanda, we've had this talk. You know, I said, <laughs> yes, Lord, it's good. It was a little rough, but it was good. And the Lord said, Peggy, I've got a call on each. Every one of us has talents. Each one of us has a call. I cannot go to heaven on what Dawn's going to do. And that's what he said to me. Oh, so you think you're going to heaven on your husband's merits? I said, well, I'm going to let him. He goes, no, 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 no. Everyone has been given a call and a talent. And then I began to understand the Great Commission. We're all called to go teach and preach the gospel. Now there's different ways to do it, but we all have that because we were chosen. We were taken out of the darkness into the light. How could we be so selfish as not to share? So when we've gone to these foreign countries, they're so hungry. It's just so much fun. And even though when I first got up, I really was probably a, not the greatest speaker. They didn't care. They were so excited. And they love Americans mostly. And so we began to see, like Darwin said, in our inadequacy, he became my adequacy. I got through the fear. I began to get over myself. I began to see it's the anointing on you. And we have seen signs and wonders. We've done this for 40 years now. And it never gets boring and it's so fulfilling. So I want to encourage people that were like me, a little scared, a little selfish, a little like, oh, I want to stay home. And then I had kids. Guess what? If someone's going to take care of your kids. And when the, the Lord just told me, Peggy, they're not going to die without you for two weeks. I said, oh, but God, who's going to take care of my babies? You know how we exaggerate. But can I tell you, I would highly encourage you women to get beside your men. And don't use the excuse like I did. Well, he can do it. And I'll just stay home. It's so much fun being a team. And we're very opposite and different, but we complement the mission field together. Now, I know it's your story, but uh, I want to share uh, one thing that uh, you kind of uh, kind of glazed over. Uh, when we did that first trip uh, after we were married, uh, we spent six weeks in India and Sri Lanka. And uh, before we left, uh, she said it took a year to prepare for it. Well, the thing that she did during that year is that she kept a ledger as she read the Bible. And every day 
mark down things that the Lord was saying to her about how that he would protect, about how that he would provide. And, uh, you know, just look for his assurance every day. And uh, I really encourage people, no matter if it's mission work or if it's just your daily life, every day, if you take time to journal and to just listen as you read the word and as you pray and let God speak to you, uh, you'll find out that he's continually giving you the reassurance. He's continually building a foundation in your life. And uh, uh, I find journaling to be one of the greatest things that a person can do uh, to prepare him or her, uh, herself for, you know, whatever life is going to bring. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that piece. I think that gives listeners um, not, I don't want to say formula, but it just gives them a window into, well, how can I go through that change and process? And it's open the Bible, journal, yeah. spend time with the Lord, you know, get into that secret place, you know, abide in him, dwell, meditate on his word, and you will be transformed from the inside out. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that's really helpful because sometimes, you know, you hear stories of how, yeah, it took, it took a year, it took five years, it took three months. Well, what happened in that time frame? So that's, that's really, um, just helpful for that to be shared. And also, um, I thought it was really neat how, you know, two is better than one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like God puts people together for a reason. And you, like you, you two just said, you're opposite of each other, but you complement each other. And, um, I, I think that's just amazing that, you know, whatever God calls us to do, he'll give us the grace to work together. Um, if we've been married one year, if we've been married, uh, how long have you guys been married? 40 years. 40 years. If you've been <laughs> married 40 years, um, Dan and I are up to 13 now, so <laughs> we're on our way. But <laughs> um, I just, I think that's awesome because sometimes... Um, I think that we can say, oh, that's that's my husband's thing or, oh, that's my wife's thing. And that may be true in certain giftings, but how it goes together is how God intends to work in in our how we feel inadequate and how we feel weak in certain areas mm -hmm. <laughs> of the complementing each other. So, yeah, and I think that um, I think what you said, too, is how we, you know, at the end of the day. We stand before God individually. We don't stand married as married couples, and you know we we make a life together here. And God called us to 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 make lives and, and influence people together. But at the end of the day, it is it's what we do, and it's what we do with our own life. And so we can't just rely on you know in the same way we're not we're not saved by default, or we're not saved by just uh, being close to people that are saved. Um, we're not, we're, you know, the treasure that God has for us, the things that he has for us in this life and beyond are, are for us individually. And, um, and we, and we, by our obedience, by our kind of following after the things that he has for us, um, that's how we appropriate those things into our lives and in, into kind of what he has for us. And so, uh, and I, th I think again, that, that two is more, is better than one. And, and you, you agreed, but you, it took some time. It, it, you, you kind of submitted yourself to that for, for a year. God worked in your heart. And when you did go, 
uh, I love the word that you use. It's so powerful. It's the anointing. The anoint, anointing went before you. It's not you going in, in your own strength. It's not you going in and preaching the best sermon. It's not you going in and being convincing yourself. It's you going and saying, God, I'm available. Here I am. I'm inadequate, but Lord, you are absolutely adequate. You are absolutely more than enough for these people. And I'm just putting myself in a place for you to, uh, to, to use me and, um, and the anointing flows. And so I want to hear more about that. It, it sounds like you it, it have seen many, uh, different things throughout the years. Can you talk about some of the, the, some of the more impacting experiences you've had where you've seen the anointing just flow into the people that you've been serving and, and teaching and just, uh, whether they've received it or you see miracles, wonders, can you tell us a little bit more about some of what you've seen around the world? Yeah, well, I have one particular story that is just a phenomenal story. Um, uh, it was not on that first trip that, uh, we, uh, we're just talking about to Sri Lanka, uh, the, when we were first married, but, uh, a couple of years later, uh, we went back to Sri Lanka again. And, uh, uh, I had been working in Sri Lanka before we were married and, uh, mostly with high school and college, uh, age students. And, uh, we had a group of about a hundred mostly former Buddhist uh, high school and college students. And um, the director that we work with there had collected them all. And we were going to do a discipleship uh, program. We were going to come over and spend a week. We had rented a, uh, like a farm uh, as a retreat facility. And uh, we were going to be there for a week training them. And uh, so we arrived in the country. Uh, Our host, picked us up at the airport and he said, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to cancel the conference. And I said, well, wait a minute, <laughs> hold the bus. You know, what's the, what are you talking about? You know, we've sent you all this money to, uh, to rent the place and to buy the food and to prepare for everybody to be there for a week. And, and uh, we've traveled all the way from the U S and we get off the plane and you say, we're canceling everything. I said, how can you do that? And he said, you don't understand. We're in a, uh, a drought here in the country and uh, there is no water. And, uh, you know, this was uh, in an area and in a time frame when the, they didn't have uh, running water, you know, pipe water from a system. Uh, you had uh, a cistern in each facility that uh, contained the water uh, in a water tank. And he says, the cisterns up at that retreat center are totally dry and we have no water and we can't bring a hundred kids in here uh, with no water to cook with, no water to wash with, no water to drink. Um, You know, we just can't do it. And I said, well, give us uh, 24 hours before you make a decision. So we went to our hotel that night and we just prayed. And we said, Lord, we remember a time when that... uh, uh, you spoke to Noah and said you were going to open the windows of heaven. And I said, you know, you can open the windows of heaven again. <laughs> and, uh, and that night it started to rain. And uh, we used the expression, it rained cats and dogs. Uh, in, in my experience, it was wolves and lions. It wasn't cats <laughs> and dogs. I mean, it was lions and dogs, you know, exponential. Wow. Um, it, which it just poured rain that night. And the next morning, uh, the guy shows up at our hotel and he says, uh, okay, everything's good. You know, we, uh, uh, the cisterns are full and overflowing. 
which is exactly what God promised in the book mm-hmm. of Joel, that mm-hmm. um, the uh, will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing more than you can contain. The cisterns were overflowing. And so mm-hmm. we had that conference and uh, during, and, and I didn't know the full impact of what happened that time until 30 something years later. And I was back in Sri Lanka another time and uh, there was a pastor that started contacting me and he said, you've got to come preach at my church. You've got to come preach at my church. And I said, but my schedule is totally full. I have every day and every night I am totally full while I'm in the country. And uh, finally, we found he had an early morning Sunday service, like at seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And I said, I can come preach at your church at seven o'clock, but I got to be out of there because I got another nine o'clock church meeting. And uh, so anyway, when I arrived at the church, he said, I think you don't know who I am, but I was a high school student at that conference, the one that, that wouldn't have happened had the rain not come. And he mm-hmm. says, I was a high school student. And during that conference, God called me into the ministry. And today he's one of the prominent ministers in the country of Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, the only thing we can say is it wasn't our adequacy. It was just the anointing of God. It was just the provision of God. God said, I care enough about what you're doing to cause it to rain. Mm And I want to tell you, if you want to see excitement, it's on the mission field. Well, why is that, Peggy? Why don't we see miracles here? Because have you ever looked at the American audience? They sort of sit there like, give it to me, you know, give it to me. When you go to the foreign field, they're respectful, they're excited, they cling to every word you say. And they're so excited, a lot of the Hindus or the Buddhists, like they found the true living God. They get it. And God gets that too. And he loves to show off in foreign countries. So I have seen myself take the same message in the States and eh, that's all right. Take it there, ask for an altar call or, you know, prayer line or whatever. And it's just remarkable what God does. Why is that? Well, because expectancy is a breeding ground for miracles. These people are like hungry little birds. Mm. And so uh, I'll never forget, I was in uh, Thailand. We were up up in the mountains. I mean, I'm not going to tell you all the details, but I did it, ladies. I slept in a treehouse. I had no bathroom, no bath. I did it. But the rewards were so phenomenal. So we went down for the meeting, and these were little uh, animist people that had come to the Lord up in the mountains, the, the Quran, which is a very, you know, they're known for worshiping the mountains and the trees and all that. They had found Jesus. And my friend and I were there, and um, we didn't sleep much that night. And I was going, oh, God, you better be with me. But every sacrifice you make for the Lord is so worth it. So we got up, and we were teaching, and they just hung on to everything. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just said to me, because you're very close to the Lord of the mission field. You just are. He knows you need to hear. And, and, and there's just so many strange things going on. And then I heard him say, baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, they're ready, Peggy. And I, and it was so phenomenal. It was like, you will see the book of Acts out there if you're open for it. And we were totally open. So I said, everybody stand up. How many of you want more? Well, they all want more. There's people in the United States that need more. And they are so scared of this baptism. It's, I won't go there. But anyway, so I just said, stand up. And these little men got up. And I just said, Holy Spirit, just come down and baptize them with the Holy Spirit as simple as prayer is that 
I mean, this is when you know the Holy Spirit's with you. I didn't see a glory cloud, but all of a sudden, the presence of God came down. They were shaking. They were quaking. It wasn't anything flaky. It was weird. They were falling out in the spirit. My friend and I sat there, and I said, this is that. This is the book of Acts, and we didn't do anything about it. When we went to Nepal, I worked with the women. Dawn did pastor's conferences, and I did women's conferences. Now, when we started in 1981, there were no women doing anything, Amanda. I think I told you that. They, they were not allowed culturally. They were so scared. They walked behind the men, if not below the men. But mm -hmm. actually, as Dawn will tell you and Dan, we, again, we, we need that synergy, that working together. And I said to the pastors, you need to use your women. And then we showed the scriptures, and long story short, we began to bring in teams of women and they began to see the power of God. And we would go in and have meetings and some of the men would watch these. And once again, I would say like, for example, in the Pauls, they got a little bit stronger in the Lord. I said, how many of you want to be missionaries? See mission missionaries are born from God. We're all called to do something. But I told Dan and Amanda and other people that are a little discouraged. All of us are like, Lord, really, how long are we going to sit here? That desire to go on the mission field, to do things that other people look at us and shake their heads, that is from God. He's going to fulfill it. So I said to these women in Nepal, how many of you want to spread it to your other Buddhist or Hindu's neighbors? And half the room came forward. I was just shocked. I mean, and they were crying. And then I looked at my friend and I could see that they were afraid. And I said, Lord, you've got to take away this fear. You've got to give them boldness. You've got... And the Holy Spirit came down again. And now that I'm just an ordinary person. Everybody talks about the glory cloud and Azusa. Folks, you're going to see that yourself because it's not us. And they were all over shaking. We felt the power of the Holy Ghost over them. So then uh, the pastor's watching. And I, I said, that, well, what are you going to do with these women? And he goes, well, what to do, what to do? We, this is not America, Peggy. We can't let the women just go out by themselves. And then the Lord just gave me a revelation. He said, send them out with the men. Like Darren and I would take, um, we were a married couple. We would take teams out. And the man would be the head and the covering. And I said, can't you take out teams with the married couple? He said, we can. Long story short, they started out with three to go out, you know, to the Buddhists and Hindus and everything signs and wonders followed. Now, these are ordinary people from the village that don't even read or write mostly. Signs and wonders. Once again, why is that? Because it's the Holy Spirit working through us. And then when I came back and I asked the leader of Nepal, I said, well, how's it going? He goes, oh, my word, Peggy. Signs and wonders. And now we've got about 40 teams going out. Oh, so these are wow. people that have seen the power of God, just like us, but even, you know, no education because it's him. And it's, we could just tell you so many other things, but everybody talks about the glory cloud. Can I tell you, you're going to have that on the mission field and you're going to see God, I hate to say show off, but you're going to see him show off is the better word, I guess. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, did I do that? No, you had nothing to do with it. So why do we sacrifice and go because of the fruits that we see, the miracles, and we could tell you so many things, but it's really phenomenal what the Holy Spirit will do if you just let him. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> God, God is so good. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing those stories. That's just so neat to hear. And um, again, just emphasizing that it's about God and what he does. It's, you know, these people who aren't educated, 
Um, not that education is bad, you know, grab those opportunities, but, um, that what's required is just, again, that submission to the Lord and he'll take you and do what he will, if you will let, let him. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. And and I think we need to, we need to not miss this listener that they were the problem. They're the real problem that there, that there was, there's no water, the, the conference was going to be canceled. And what did they do? They went, they went to the problem with the word. Mm-hmm. They went mm-hmm. to the problem with the word and they spoke that word. God's word is powerful. And so many times we, you know, we take our, we, we just, we take our problems we, and we just, we elevate them. But when we take our, our, we throw the word at our problems, there's so much that can happen. And, you know, and, and I hear the passion in your voices. I hear the excitement and, and you kind of recall these stories and, and these experiences and seeing what God has done. But, you know, let's, let's rewind just a little bit to that, what we were talking about earlier, where uh, you were a little uncertain as to whether you really wanted to go overseas, you know, and you kind of spent that year of just diving into the word and, and just and, and journaling and, and saying, God, I'm, I'm here, I'm available, speak to me. And then you went and you said it, and then you recalled that it wasn't the first time that you, the st- first trip that you went that you saw uh, some of the things, although I'm sure you saw some things on your first trip, but progressively, time after time after time, you saw more and more and more. And, and, and I want to hone in on that word expectation, expectation, because when we see something from the past and we can, we can say, God, I saw you do it once, um, I, I trust you to do it again. I trust, and and God can just continue to build that expectation over and over and over, and to the time where you you're just expecting big things you, it, that you're expecting God to show up, and you can you, you know you can look at at a, at a dry situation and say, God, you did it before, um, boy, you're going to do it again. And I remember in our own lives, I remember one time that uh, my cousin lo- uh, lost his ring in uh, his wedding ring in a little pond that we have and that's you know a quarter acre large and and our family prayed about it and he found he found his wedding ring within our pond Mm -hmm. um, and well then fast forward a couple years I uh, was swimming with my cousins in Lake Michigan and uh, and a big wave came and my ring fell off in Lake Michigan Whoa. And, and, you know, we spent hours and hours that day looking for it, combing, and I kept on, you know, believing for God to, to kind of come through. And, and uh, we ended up going home that night disappointed. And I went back the next day and I said, God, like, I believe you. This is important to me. This wedding ring means something to me. And um, I know I can't do it, but I know you can. And I kept on going. I went to the word. What God, you know, that, that woman lost her coin and she kept after. She kept looking. She kept looking. And I said, I can't do it, God, but you can. And just as I kind of said, said that here comes a, a guy with an underwater a metal detector. And he went, and said, <laughs> would you, I said, would you put this right here? He said, these people, people comb this water all the time. I said, I think it's right here, right where I'm standing. And he put it in there within 10 seconds. It beeped and he, he scooped down. And, oh. and so oh, I, I wow. wear, I wear a wedding ring. My wedding ring is a miracle on my finger. That, oh, man, that's beautiful. So then fast forward another year or two. And uh, my father-in-law, we were all swimming in the ocean in a coral oh, reef. And his wedding ring fell off and uh, in the coral reef. And, and we said, and, you know, we went to, we went back, God, we, we saw you do this in our pond. 
and then in a little bit larger in a great lake, God, we trust that you can do, we, we expect that you can do this in the ocean as well. And you know what? We found that wedding ring in, a, <laughs> in, the, in the coral reef. And so, you know, what I want to highlight is that we, what we expect we get in so many ways. And so we look back in the Old Testament and we see that as, as God was ushering them out of Egypt, and he was moving them into this promised land. They got what they expected, didn't they? He said, you know, at what, what you were saying is what you were, are, what you're going to get. And what you were saying is, is what you're going to see for those who were expecting defeat. They, they ended up finding defeat. And for those who were expecting victory, you know, it took a little, a little bit longer, but they hung on to that. They expected the victory and they saw it later on in their life. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah. that's great. great. The, the progression. You know, the scripture tells us that, you know, he takes us from faith to faith, one level of faith to the next level, you know, so we progress. And we've seen that in our own lives. I mean, there were times when we first started ministry that it was like, you know, God, you got to do a miracle to give us the money for the tickets, you know, I mean, just barely get there. Yeah, I remember one time we, uh, uh, we had enough money to buy uh, either one round trip ticket or two one way tickets. And, uh, you know, we knew we were going to, I think it was Nepal, uh, but that all the money we had was either both of us can go there and not come back or one of us can go and come back. And, um, you know, so then at the last minute we got the rest of the money. So we both went and we both came back, but anyway, uh, you know, so, you know, there was that level of faith where that we had the faith just to barely get the airline tickets. And then another level of faith where that then we started taking our kids with us because God spoke to me and he said, if, uh, if your kids don't go to the mission field, they won't know the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a kind of a, a dual statement. They won't know the heart of their physical father. They won't know the heart of the heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so then we started having faith to, you know, not just two tickets, but five tickets. And, uh, and then uh, we started being able to sponsor pastor's conferences and pay for the, for the food and pay for the uh, facility and, and even help pay for transportation for pastors to come from remote rural areas to come into the conference meetings. And, you know, every, uh, every step was an increase. You know, but it was like going from the pond to the Great Lake to the ocean. You know? <laughs> but I think key here is where people miss it is you've got to know that it's God. You know, mm-hmm. I see people step out and do things and they say, Peggy, it didn't work. And I said, well, if you'd asked me, I would have told you I didn't have a feast about it. That's the biggest thing is to get that confirmation. Like I remember when I had to go on a trip by myself without him and raise my own money. And it was just a whole different ballgame. But he knew that I was supposed to go. I knew that I was supposed to go, but the money wasn't coming in. But I knew that I was supposed to go. And the devil was, and then one pastor said to me, well, Peggy, maybe that's a sign from God. You're not supposed to go. I mean, you'll, you'll get, always get Job's friends, but in my heart, God had spoken to me. And guess what? At the last minute, somebody gave me a check and I had more than I needed. So no matter what you're trying to do, be it missions or whatever, make sure it's the voice of God and get confirmation because people, we've worked with a lot of different people. Some people are not called to sing. Hey, some people are not called to teach. They're called to evangelize or, or lay hands on people. Um, 
it's important that you get uh, the word of the Lord, but then also get a confirmation from older people because we, God wants you to succeed and he, you will, if it's God. Now we've done a few things that work God, you know, there's good ideas and there's God ideas and that's okay. Fall on your face a few times or try it. Sometimes you have to step out, but at least do something, you know, and then when you step out and you realize that's not the timing or whatever, that's okay. You know, but, but nowadays I, I, I just say, I just, I love missionaries or people that are doing stuff because there's so many that aren't. And then they look at us like we're the big heroes and heroines. no. We're all Christians. We're all called to do something. We all have some gift or talent, you know, and, and I can tell you that people are perishing for lack of knowledge. And I was one of them. And around the world, they don't know anything. And that's why, you know, yes, there's a mission field here in the United States, too. And some of you will be missionaries here. And that's great. But there are also people over there that are dying and going to hell at a very fast pace. You know, if you go to Africa with us, oh, my goodness, you see caskets everywhere people are dying. So there's just, you know, the time is short. And, and I believe after the pandemic's over, we're going to, we're going to see such a harvest and a speeding up of everything. And I think we're going to see it in the States too, but I want to encourage people, whatever, you've got to get in there and do something and you can't do it as we've been trying to emphasize here. But if you answer and you hear that call and you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Then you'll say, whoa, that was God that did it. And that's, that's been our whole story for 40 years. Makes me think of, uh, I heard this and it just, it really resonated with me is that, you know, we've taken nominal Christianity and we've made it normal and we've taken normal Christianity, Christianity, and we've made it nominal. And what I mean by that is what Christianity really should look like. Um, you know, when we read through Acts and we read through just sort of the idea of, of self-sacrifice and kind of moving, uh, moving away from just, you know, bigger, better, faster sort of lifestyle. And we've, we've made, we've, we've made that, that kind of Christianity so nominal, so not normal. And the, the, the self-pleasing, the just kind of putting, you know, self first, we've, we've just elevated that in a different way. And that's not in a judgment way. It's just more of an observation way that, you know, you said you're, you're kind of Job's friends. Well, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, and, and we hear so many different voices nowadays and, um, we need to get around people that, uh, that, that are like-minded that, you know, so, so many different times we, you know, when we seek wisdom, we have to make sure that we seek wisdom from the right people. And you, you said, you know, older, and I think that can be, you know, older in, this, in, in life physically, or that can be also older in, in a spiritual sense. Right. Um, but it, you know, when, when we think about going and doing something, we gotta, we, we need, there's wisdom in the counsel of many, and we need to make sure that we're asking the right people. Um, sometimes if we're, if we're considering going overseas and, and, uh, or, or doing something that might have an element of danger, if we ask you know, our parents, or if we asked, you know, just a, a friend that might not have that same heart, that same desire, we're going to get a real, a different answer than if we ask somebody that's very spiritual minded, that has that sense of, wow, there are people dying every day uh, in, in Africa, or there are people that need Christ that, um, that are passing away that with into a Christless eternity that, that haven't had an opportunity here. And so we need to make sure we get people that will speak honestly and tell us, no, they need to have that, that, that no card in our life. They need to be able to say no. And, and you, you, you adhere to that. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're asking the right people that will say that love us enough to pray with us about those situations as well. Don't we? And I just want to, um, add an addendum to what Dan said. Um, um, you know, about asking parents, 
Dan and I, I just want to say this for um, the listeners and um, just that we, Dan and I have been very blessed to have extremely supportive mm-hmm. parents um, since either of us can remember. Absolutely. Um, we have such godly parents. So we are blessed to have um, that support. Um, but, you know, for listeners who think, oh, well, I don't have parents like that. Ask God to provide them for you mm-hmm. in a local church. Um, if you don't have that in the physical sense of, you know, parents who are godly, who you would trust to speak into your life, um, you know, ask, I, you know, just want to encourage listeners to ask God to provide those people for you, those mentors and, you know, the older and the wiser in the church. So that's good. Uh, Dan, you said uh, two words that uh, really uh, kind of brought me to something that I've been wanting to say uh, during the whole conversation here. Um, You mentioned Job's friends, and uh, then you mentioned going overseas. And uh, the whole title of your uh, podcast, The Missional Life, um, as soon as I heard that, I had two things that I wanted to share. And one of them is the story about my friend Carol. And uh, Carol was a phenomenal missionary. Uh, she was uh, a woman who uh, God spoke to her and said, go to Vanadu or some, <laughs> you know, really far distant place in the uh, Pacific Islands. And uh, so she uh, just, you know, not having any connection at all, whatever she gets on a plane or whatever gets to this uh, remote uh island nation in the uh, in the Pacific, uh, South Pacific, and she wins the princess to the Lord, and then the princess introduced her to the, to the queen and to the king, and so, you know, she went almost the entire uh, royal family uh, to the Lord, you know, just because God said, go to this remote place, you know, and uh, she uh, is sitting in her house one day, and the Lord says, uh, I have a message for Indira Gandhi. And, uh, and so she gets on a plane, goes to India, and she's uh, sitting and has no idea how in the world she can get to the royal family of India. You know, but uh, so she just goes to India, and she's sitting in her hotel uh, drinking tea in the lobby, and uh, strikes up a conversation with another lady who's drinking tea. It turns out to be Indira Gandhi's secretary. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, an incredible woman of faith, but one of her friends uh, just accosted her one day, and she said, Carol, you're not a missionary. You've just got a spirit of travel and adventure. And Carol came to me just brokenhearted, just in tears. Uh, You know, is it true that all that I have is a spirit of travel and adventure? And I said, well, Carol, you couldn't be a missionary unless you had the spirit of travel and adventure. God put that in your heart so that you would have the personality to fulfill the call that he's put on your life. Mm. And so uh, a lot of times we don't recognize that it's just inside of us, our DNA, the feelings that we have, the interests that we have were put there by God. And he put them there 
for a purpose. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, I hear your stories and man, I'd love to do that. But, you know, I say, no, don't worry about the buts, you know, right. um, <laughs> if that desire, if that inclination is inside you, then God put it there. Mm -hmm. And then he put it there for the purpose that you could fulfill the missional life. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's part A. Now, part B uh, has to do, that was Job's friends. Part B has to do with going overseas. Uh, I heard a slogan one time that has really framed my life. And it says, a missionary isn't created by, uh, by going, uh, by, by, um, by crossing the sea. A missionary is created by seeing the cross. Mm -hmm. And when we see the cross and we understand the price that Jesus paid for people's lives, people's souls to be redeemed, whether it's in Africa or whether it's in uh, you know, our own community, when we see the price that Jesus paid to redeem lives, then that's when we become missionaries. And, uh, you know, if we see the cross, you're a missionary, even if you never cross mm -hmm. the sea. You mm -hmm. may be just in your local community, but the missional life is the life of a person who has seen the cross and cares about people the same way Jesus did. And, you know, the Lord said he came to seek and save the lost. But how's he going to do it? He's going to do it through ordinary people like us. When I went to Africa, I wasn't, I was a little afraid still of Africa. But I went to a meeting and it was, it was all men. And they really, they weren't interested in women speakers. And down threw me out there. And long story short, uh, it turned out to be a great meeting. And um, at the end of the series of conferences we had, uh, the men all gathered together in this one house and uh, came in to thank us. Now the house that we stayed at, he, he was an ambassador, but he wasn't saved and he wasn't interested in coming to the conferences. It was his wife that invited us and everything, but he would come home every day for lunch. And remember your gifts will bring you before great men. You have no idea. So I, he, he just sat next to me and we were of the same denomination before I got saved. And I just quietly, gently shared my story how I got saved and every day he would just take a little bit more all right so I didn't think I was making any great impact you have no idea what you're doing over these foreign countries a lot of times so at the last night then when all these met uh, came over to his house to to thank the host and thank us uh, he wasn't there of course and there were all sitting and, and it's all men Amanda and I'm going oh lord but they were very kind to me and then all of a sudden the ambassador walks in and everybody stands up and he walks right over to me. Now, remember, I'm a Greenhorn missionary thinking, oh, no, what did I do wrong? He walks over to me, and he says, and now there's like 10 pastors, okay? He walks little to me, and he goes, I want what you have, and gets down on his knees, and he goes, I want what you have. In other words, he wanted to get saved. Uh -huh. I will never forget that. And the men were looking at me like, well, who is she? And that showed me. You never know. Your gifts will bring before you great men. Here is this ambassador asking me on in his knees to give him what I got. So, I mean, do you think we don't love missions? And there's so many things that, like he said, this Carol, 
but we're not anything different. We're just two people from, you know, original Indiana that moved to Colorado Springs that go out because there are people there waiting for you. I always say there's divine appointments. There are divine appointments. And is it exciting to be on the mission field? Absolutely. And you say, well, how are we going to go? I don't know. Some of you will go with your church. Some of you, uh, you know, suggestions. Some of you will make your own team up. You'll meet one person. They'll invite you over, you know. Uh, but I would say in these last days, we're going to see more. But because, you know, everyone goes, oh, I think, I think the rapture's coming. I think, and Daryl and I look at each other and go, as missionaries, listen, he said he's not going to come until every tribe and every nation has heard the word of God. Guess what, folks? It hasn't happened. Now, if you go to every home for Christ who's on the top cutting edge of missions, oh, there's thousands of cultures and, and tribals that have come in, but there's still so very many to go. And how do we do it? Your one week, two week trip may be the key to that. And so we want to encourage you, if we can, let's get out there. After this is all over with, go. However, ask the Lord to set up a, a trip for you. Some of you, some of you, we're all called to do something. Some will go, some will send, and some will actually help send or pray. And, and which one are you going to be? But that's all part of the Great Commission. And um, we just want to encourage you to, to really take it seriously because missions used to be really hot back in when I got saved in the Jesus movement back in the 70s. Now you don't hear much talk. We used to have slideshows and people would get up on the stages and I would see this, you know, I would just think, oh, how exciting to do that. But let's just believe that God's going to give people a heart for missions because we want the Lord to come. Amen. But there are people around the world that have never even heard the name of Jesus. And how's that going to happen through ordinary people like us? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you both had so many good points in there. I just want to take a few of those and, and build on it. Just, um, But, you know, the missional life is, is, is to your point, Delron, about encountering Jesus ourselves. And having people see Jesus in us and through us. And so, you know, when we, you know, we don't always have to go across, you know, an ocean to to demonstrate Christ, right? The missional life is really just being intentional, being purpose-driven in the way that we live. And, and you know, being kind to the, the, the waiter at the restaurant and, and, and smiling at them or, or somebody that, uh, you know, um, that helps that, that helps us at a, at a store. Being kind to them. But also, you know. A list, some of our listeners might say, you know, like we feel called more to this this area and in working with special needs or with a certain demographic or refugees. Wow, that's awesome. We're all called to different things. And so the missional life is about people encountering Jesus, encountering his grace, encountering his love, allowing that to change. And then to your point, uh, Peggy, how that 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 pastor, that that man saw something in you that drew him. And it, it beckoned him, and he said, I have to have what you have. And we want to be to be so full. And to our, going back to the rain earlier, there was just – it was overflow. We want to be people who are overflowing, full of this Christ, full of this grace, full of this love, that it just – it can't not happen. It just spills out onto other people. That's the mission of life is being intentional, being – being full so that we can spill over onto other people, whether that's here domestically, whether that's across seas, internationally, whatever that is, encountering Jesus, being full of him and spilling that over and around onto the people that are around us. And I just want to add in too, um, you know, what 
you had said about it's about the cross, not crossing the sea. Mm. And um, just for the listeners, um, just to touch more on, um, we've Dan and I have personally known Delron and Peggy for a few years now. Um, but I just want to add in that along with the trips that they have taken overseas, um, they've also both taught at a local Bible college that's right outside of Colorado Springs. And I was blessed to be part of two different Bible studies that Peggy had led. Um, and Delron and Dan have gotten together for coffee in the past. And Delron has poured into Dan, spoken at men's groups at the local church. And I also remember... Um, Peggy would go to the local jail before the pandemic happened. Um, and so not to just not for your own personal accolades. Am I saying this, but more for just to show like you, you guys get out there both, both in Colorado Springs. And when you hop in a plane and you go to the foreign countries, you know, you guys, you know, God works through you locally as well as globally. So yeah, living mission only isn't like a passport that we carry around, and and you know it it only it only works and you know when we get outside the borders um, uh, of our of our country, living missionally is is something that we do every day. We choose to do every day and every in every uh, encounter. So. Um, Wow, we could sit here and talk with you guys uh, all 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 day long. Um, you're such a blessing, and you have so many amazing things um, to share. And I know that you both have written uh, about uh, a lot of your experiences and the things that you've learned from your experiences. And and I know um, for those who don't uh, don't know, this will be in the show notes. But um, Delron actually has a, actually has a doctorate, uh, so very well educated uh, in missions, understands uh, the heart of the Father, and uh, it. it 40, 40 some books now, uh, Delron, that you've written. How many, how many books have, have you written? Actually, I'm working on 56 right now. 56. Okay. So I, I grossly (laughs) underestimated. So, um, so, um, so 40 was, uh, was an insult almost. Um, I'm joking, but, um, and, and I know Peggy's written some for uh, for the women. So listeners, they have so much to offer and, and, and we've already gleaned so much from them just in the, these, these moments, but um, how can people get a hold of, of your books? How can people uh, learn more about uh, more about you? I know you have a, a website. Can you tell us how people can connect with you? Yeah, sure. Our website is teachallnationsmission.com. Teach all nations, nations is plural, mission is singular, teachallnationsmission.com. And uh, speaking of the books, um, I... Uh, wrote my autobiography uh, a couple of years ago um, uh, because uh, a lot of people had been asking me, hey, you know, we'd like to hear all those stories, you know, and I only shared one or two today, but uh, people said, we'd love to hear all those stories about what has happened with you on the mission field. And uh, that one's called uh, So Send I You. So if anybody is interested in uh, hearing a little bit more and reading a little bit more, uh, that one would be one particular one you could find on the website. Mm. Absolutely. And do you have a, do you have an email uh, that people can email uh, to? And we'll put these in the show notes for you listeners as well. Right. It's just uh, uh, teachallnations.com at msn.com. Perfect. Teachallnations at msn.com. 
Right. And Peggy, I know you were finishing up a book this year. Um, you've written a couple books as well. Could you share a little bit about those for, for the listeners? I, I forgot to bring them up, but I have women for the harvest. I'm not a writer. So people, you look at him and go, how are you doing this? You can do whatever God calls you to do. He's called to write. It just comes in him. But God told me to do both books. And see, that's the thing going back to if God tells you to do something, you can get out of your comfort zone or your gifting and do it. So I did women for the harvest, which is in 17 different different languages now, encouraging the women around the world uh, uh, that they can do it. Quite frankly, around the world, it's the women that are the workers. Not that we don't have wonderful men, but the men will tell you the women are the evangelists. They're, they're really out there. So I want to encourage the women around the world, which are have to take their place beside the men, to have that synergy to work together. Then my last book, it took a long time, but it's called No Longer Bound. Most people can't do missionary work or any kind of work for the Lord because there's so much fear or low self-esteem and all that. Or so, just, they can't even just live normal lives. Yeah, mm. right. Mm. So in this book, No Longer Bound, it talks about the 16 coming strongholds. That These are things that control you. Because like I said, I couldn't get up and speak in front of people and all these things. But how God gives you keys in the word um, to break those mindsets down and that to read the word which you know a lot of people think it's normal to have fear worry and anxiety well it is we're going to have that but the word says you know i've not given you a spirit of fear but of love and power and a sound mind so that's my latest book is no longer bound yeah thank you yeah and that, that's accessible uh at your website correct mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. But I want to share one thing before we have to wind up. Uh, one thing, if you get, you know, a revelation, just like you guys have got it. You know, I, I just was dragging my feet and I see a lot of people. If you get the revelation of James, the life is but a vapor, especially you, know, you young people. You think you're going to be here all your life. But life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Only what we do for Christ is going to be what counts forever and ever and ever. That's why the Bible says, I make your treasure in heaven. You know, my dad died. He was a multimillionaire with all kinds of accolades. Now, thank God we got him saved. But in his casket, he had nothing, no accolades, no money, nothing. But he did have salvation. And I want to tell people, if we can look at life differently than the world does, we're only here for a short time. We're here to, to seek and save the lost, however that be, like we've talked about the many, many ways you can do it, but that only what we do for him, folks, is what's going to last forever, for eternity. That will knock the socks off you. It really will. Amen. Amen. Wow. Such amazing words to leave us with. Thank you so much. What we do matters for eternity, and we need to make sure we're not just um, – we're not just living passively, but that we're living missionally, that we're living intentionally. We're taking advantage of everything that God's entrusted us with and that we're going and reaching the world um, with this good news of, of Jesus Christ. So, so such a honor to be uh, with you guys today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on this podcast with us today and just appreciate all that you guys shared. And just, I think a lot of listeners will be blessed by this. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, it was our honor. Amen.